ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. All right, everybody, take a deep breath. (sighs) There's so much to talk about, and we'll get to all of it today on Nosebleeds, the only baseball podcast offered by WFUV Sports and all of its affiliates. We're so glad you have joined us for what is going to be a great episode because we got so much to talk about, and we're so excited to talk about it with you. My name is Dylan Balsamo, here from uh, my parents' desk here in Oakland, New Jersey. It's a nice big desk. They let me use it when I'm home. I'm here along with my friends and co-hosts for the day, Alex Wolves and Mike Calamari. I'll start with you, Alex. Uh, how, how was your week? Well, you just made my week a lot better. That like one minute detox there really calmed me down <laughs> because it was a wild week, as you mentioned, the trade deadline, so much going on. Um, but no, I'm doing well. It's a nice weather out there these days and, and good to be here with you guys. Michael, how's it going? Yeah, everything's good. I mean, it's an exciting time to be a Yankee fan. Uh, you definitely got to be happy with the product, which we'll get into. And as a baseball fan in general, there's so much to talk about, which should make this a great show. Absolutely. The, the amount to talk about is, is a, t- a tad overwhelming. I woke up actually at 6 o'clock this morning to make sure I had all of it intact before we started. Really? Good. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Do you believe it? I bet yeah, you, you, were, you were five minutes late into our Zoom meeting somehow. Yeah, I was still researching. Oh, okay, just make a choice. Four hours and five minutes. Alexander okay so let's get into it and we'll start with the Yankees as you all know this past Friday at 4 p.m was Major League Baseball's trade deadline and I gotta say this is probably the most exciting trade deadline we've seen in my lifetime I say abolish free agency trade deadline only this was amazing this is the best way to get players in and out of ballparks this was fantastic but we'll start with the Yankees because they made quite a few giant acquisitions in Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. And so far, it has paid its dividends for them, Alex. I think for the Yankees, this was really something that I did not expect them to do, but it almost felt like they had to because for the Yankees, this entire year, I think we've all heard in the press conferences, they were really doubling down on the confidence that they have in the guys in this room, that they were going to figure it out. They were going to get, you know, make a run for the wild card, make a run at the division. We're going to overcome those early season jitters and all the issues that we've talked about all year long. But I think when, when things they kind of realize at a certain point that that mindset can't last forever because we're past the hundred game mark. We've seen what we've seen on the field. It's post all-star break. You're still nowhere near either the wild card or the division. And I think the Yankees kind of said, they looked themselves in the mirror and said, are we good enough with the guys in this clubhouse to, to win right now? And I think ultimately you had to acknowledge that they weren't, they simply weren't. And that leads to the question, then do you trade or do you sell? And, you know, a lot of people thought that they should sell. A lot of people thought that, you know, they should um, kind of mortgage for the future in a sense, but that's just not the Yankees mentality. I don't think that's what the way that they ever go about doing things. This is a team that will accept nothing less than competing for a world series. And when that's your opportunity, when that's your window and you have the guys here to do it, you make the trades to do it. And I love so much that the Yankees didn't just make one move, not just two moves, but it was three, four moves and, and really, really influential ones as well. I mean, you get the pair of lefty bats and Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo. You're already seeing Rizzo paying off a couple home runs, and he's really carrying them down in Miami. And you see that. You see what Clay Holmes is doing on the mound. And there's so many good things that the Yankees did at the deadline that you really can't criticize. I think the biggest problem probably is who do you play where? We're getting standing in the outfield. And when those are the biggest things you have to complain about, where you sit right now is they're already creeping up on that wild card, and you have to feel, I think, really confident, Mike, about what you're seeing from the Yankees right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. It's hard not to be confident in this team. And I was a big believer they starting to prove me wrong. I mean, look what Rizzo's done. The best player on his Yankee team. I mean, he's turning double plays at first. He's five for nine at the plate. And he's really been the best addition the Yankees could have asked for. And Joey Gallo's a little slow. I mean, he only has that one double in the last game with the Yankees. But he'll get it going, especially when he gets in Yankee Stadium in that short porch in right field. So there's a lot to like with what they've built around this team. It's just I want to see him executed against better competition. It's hard to yeah. gauge this team against the Marlins. I mean, they were the bottom team in the NL East, which is a bad division. And it's really tough to say. It's going to be more interesting when they have an athletic series that's going to be coming up. How do they play against them? Because that's the team ahead of them in the wild card race. And then they also get the Red Sox and Rays down the line in the schedule. So those are the series that you're really going to have to watch this Yankee team and see how they hold up because – even if they grab a second wildcard spot, there's still a lot of room that needs to be done to make them a contender, which is obviously if you're a Yankee fan, that's what you want to see. You don't want to see your team just make it. You've done that these past years. You want to see your team get into the World Series. So if that's the bar you're trying to meet, the Marlins series is not going to be enough to gauge it. And we're really going to see his Yankee team put up numbers continuing against these tougher teams in the future. Uh, just to be clear, it is a two-and-a-half game deficit. The Yankees trail by the Oakland A's for the second wildcard spot coming into Monday's slate of games. But, yeah, to your point, Michael, you know, obviously we got to give Joey Gallo at least a couple of games to try and, and not only make his fit in New York, but also just to adjust. You know, you got to give people time. Hell, we give the Yankees 100 games. But um, when it comes down to it, you look at the way the Yankees played this weekend – and how much of a difference Anthony Rizzo seemed to have made, I think they might have lost this series without him there. He made that much of a difference offensively, defensively. He made some great plays at first base. You know, I, I heard something the other day, and, you know, maybe it was just a tale out of school, but apparently it was, it was Rizzo who encouraged Gary Sanchez to try the pickoff mm-hmm. move at first base. It's not something by Rizzo really too. Done. What was that? Yeah, a great tag by Rizzo, too, a nice swipe tag that got him. I mean, you can't forget his glove at first base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an underrated glove. I mean, he is not really someone we think about as a great defensive first baseman, but he is. And that just goes to show how good his bat is, that we forget about him defensively. Um, but you can see that really paid dividends in Chicago, and it's going to continue to do so in New York. But but here's really what I want to talk about. And we'll we'll get into the Yankees, you know, in, in a breakdown of their week and what's to come in just a second. But – you know, my concern for the Yankees is they, they bolstered up at the deadline and in any division that might really push them through. Um, but but here's the thing. Uh, the Red Sox, who were in first place coming into the weekend, got Kyle Schwarber and are still a very good team. The Rays took over first place this weekend without really making any big acquisitions at the deadline. The Yankees obviously got Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo and Clay Holmes and Andrew Heaney, I believe his name is, from uh, the Angels as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Right. And then – the Blue Jays went out and got Jose Barrios. This is a division, Michael, that has four teams absolutely gunning for it. And there's not enough room for all of them. No, there really isn't. And it's really funny because you look at the Yankees have a better record than the Mets and the Mets are holding on to a three and a half game lead in first. And I know we'll get to that later, but it's really just remarkable how the Yankees have to really almost win out in almost every series. They, you, you can't think of them losing a series from here on out to even get a chance at that wild card. Meanwhile, the Mets are basically playing 500 baseball and staying in first place. So it really just shows the state of that division. And I think the Yankees have come a long way. I mean, look at the past few series against the Rays and the Red Sox. I mean, they were, they were uh, winless against the Red Sox heading into this past series. So 
they've really shown a lot of improvement. And with the additions of Rizzo, Gallo, Clay Holmes, you talk about, who's been great. This is a team that really has a shot to get into that wild card spot. And if Garrett Cole can find it, uh, which we can talk about, he's been struggling recently, but if he finds it, that's a guy you have a lot of confidence in a wild card game. So there's a lot of positives with this Yankee team and the schedule from here on out is not too tough. I mean, you have Baltimore in your next series that you should be able to take advantage of. Then you go to play Seattle. So there are easier series for the Yankees and you don't play the Red Sox and Rays a whole lot from here on out, just one more series each. So there are a lot of winnable games for the Yankees and you should feel confident that they should be able to get into that second wild card spot. I completely agree. And I think when you look at the division, the really interesting thing to me is that you take away the record against Boston. The Yankees are three and 10 against them this year. If you make that 500 or even give the Yankees a couple games, the division looks a heck of a lot different than it does right now. And it's incredible really how much, uh, you know, a blowout they've had these games where they, you know, have the, the collapse at the end, you know, the, the really tragic ones that we've seen. And they had a couple of those against Boston. You take those away and this is a much different conversation we're having. And I really think with Boston, I do think they kind of overperformed in the first half of the season, and I think you're going to start seeing them level out a little bit. They just dropped two or three to Toronto. They dropped three in a row to Tampa. They're on a four-game losing streak right now. You know what you're getting from Tampa Bay. They're not, they're not going anywhere. They should be the division favorite, and I think they will win the division. But when it comes to the wild card, we've talked a little bit about Oakland. The Yankees play three games against them at the end of August. If you don't win that series, you probably don't get the wild card. I think it's pretty much as simple as that because what's doomed the Yankees all year long is head-to-heads against teams that you need to beat. They haven't had a winning record against Tampa Bay. They've struggled against Boston and they, they haven't won a lot of the big series that they need to. Like you mentioned, Mike, you know, when you beat Miami, that's a great thing. You've got winnable opportunities against Baltimore, against Kansas city. But if you don't beat Seattle, the other team that's right there with you in the, in the wild card and who probably got a little bit worse at the deadline. If you don't win those series that matter the most, you're not going to really make the wild card. But I do think as long as the Yankees take care of business, take two or three, they win series against the teams that they need to beat. And then they show up in that series against Oakland. I think there's no reason to not say that they could sneak into that wild card. But like you mentioned, Dylan, you know what you're getting from Oakland. They're going to win regular season games. You know what you're getting from Tampa Bay. They're not going to go anywhere. In Boston, they've dominated head-to-head against the Yankees. So those are three teams that you know are not going anywhere. The Yankees are going to have to step it up a little bit if they do want to make that wild card, considering that they're coming from behind right now, which is not a situation you want to be in. They absolutely do need to step it up at one point or another. And, and, and you hope that this series in Miami, which we'll get into in a second, was – was the start of an, of an incline in success for them. But you, you look at the teams they're going to have to overcome. You know, even if Boston does falter a little bit, they're still clearly a better team than the Yankees are, or at least have been for this season. More consistent. Uh, yeah, exactly. They are, they are completely consistent. The Yankees just can't beat them, and that has made such a big difference. You know, I, do th- I also think the Rays are going to win the division. I would argue they're actually the best-built team in baseball overall, mm-hmm. and that's why they've been so good. Um, but, you know, we talk about Oakland. And, and they're great. But I also think Seattle is a team that uh, should not be counted out at this point. Um, you know, that wild card, you know, we talk about how tough the National League wild card is going to be. That is basically wrapped up in the National League West. But the American League wild card is going to be just as tough to secure a spot in, uh, especially for the Yankees. So they're going to really have to be careful with things here. Um, but let, let's talk about how this week went uh, for the Yankees. You know, we talked about the fact that they played the Rays in Tampa Bay this past week and Alex, the first two games went fine. You know, there were two wins. They were two hard fought wins against a team that you do need to be, if you want to uh, stay in contention here. And then in that third game, Garrett Cole got as you know, what rocked. So fellow Yankees beat reporter, Ryan Grigworth. I mean, interesting message the other day, and it was about his level of confidence in the, in the pitching right now. And the kind of the confidence tree, if you will, 
And we both agreed that Jamison Tyone is on top of Garrett Cole right now in terms of where we're confident in terms of who's getting the ball. And I think the reason I agree with him on this is that Tyone has been incredible as of late. Ever since he got blown up in Philly and had that really poor start out there, he has looked terrific every night out there. He's now six and four. He's got a winning record. He had a losing record a month ago. Really incredible what he's been doing. And for Cole, I think the thing that, that is so interesting is we've talked about on this podcast, and I agree with what's been said, that I'm not worried about the sticky substances. I think in the end, the, the numbers are all going to level out and he will be fine. I'm not worried about that. But there's now been multiple starts where he has just dropped the ball significantly, given up five runs, six runs, seven runs. You can't have that from your ace. You can't expect that from your ace. And, you know, when you look at the other pitchers on this staff, you look at what you're getting from uh, Herman, who gave you a 7 and 0 hitter in that the, the tragic loss against Boston. Montgomery's giving you a lot of consistent starts. You're getting good stuff from this bullpen. When you look at now, you got Andrew Heaney as well, as you mentioned, coming in too. They're all going to give you something that isn't going to be as bad as what Cole gave you in that 14 nothing game. I'm never worried about either of them going out and giving up seven runs. They just haven't had blowups like that. But Garrett Cole has time and time again now. Now, granted, he's shown up in really big games, too. He had the complete game against Houston. He's given a lot of really good starts. And, and Garrett Cole's still your number one pitcher. And when if you get into that wild card, like we mentioned, he's going to be the guy getting the ball. But what this starting rotation has done They've, you know, look at all these other games in Miami. They didn't allow more than two earned runs in that series. Every other starter's been so lights out, you know, Tyone, Montgomery, and these guys, that I think Garrett Cole is really the one who's going to take you so far. He's the guy that really is going to determine where the Yankees go this season. And, and Mike, I think for me, it's, it's been a few blowups now. And I, I'm a little bit nervous about the consistency from him because we're seeing it from the other starters, but not necessarily from Cole sometimes. And think about some of the starts he had in July. You think about the Houston one where he went nine innings shut out. And the next start, he goes against the Red Sox, Red Sox. He goes six innings, one earned run. So he had two really strong starts in those months. And he's kind of really had a lot of games where he's been really blown up and given up a lot of runs. So when he's on, he's on. And then when he's not on, he gives you worse starts than guys like Tyone or Montgomery or even Herman sometimes. So that's something you got to worry about with Cole because you really need your ace to be on if you want a shot at this wild card because if you can't count on a performance like Cole almost every time he goes out, like the Tyone's going to slow down. Herman's been up and down this whole year. And Monty, you're not always going to get what you want out of him to win games. And like, obviously they're going to pitch well against the Marlins and that's great. But when the lineup's not hitting and Cole's not on, it's going to be tough to win games against the Red Sox, the Rays, and then that athletic series we talk about. I mean, you really need Cole to be on his A game to at least give you one solid pitching performance in a rotation and Tyone's been that guy, but how long will he be that guy? You need Cole to really fill in for that ace spot. Yeah. Tyone and Montgomery have both been uh, spectacular. And, you know, we talk about how much, you know, pitching and, and to a lesser extent defense uh, win championships and, and get you far in, in the baseball playoffs when it comes time for October baseball. And, and that's true of, you know, Montgomery and, and Tyone. The Yankees have had really good pitching, at least from different aspects all season. Um, no team wins it without a star pitcher. And, you know, unfortunately for Montgomery and Tyone, not, neither of them are that. You, ne you need someone who is so lights out when they're on their game that they're almost unhittable. Uh, and when Garrett Cole isn't that, the Yankees are a completely different team. They can't afford for every fifth day to have things in the air of what's going to happen of, you know, a guy who might throw a no hitter, but he also might allow 14 runs over three innings or whatever the hell he 
gave up the other day in Tampa Bay. So th- that is of concern for the Yankees, and, and we'll continue to um, to keep a, keep our radar on that as as the next month or so goes along, and we really get into the heat of things on these dog days of summer and the competition for the wild card. Um, and then to quickly sum up the Miami series, it was um, just exactly what you want, Mike, uh, for the Yankees after a big acquisition in Anthony Rizzo and, and a, a sign that things might be moving in the right direction. I mean, it, it felt like a completely different team watching those games. And it was like the most fun I think everyone's had if you're a Yankee fan watching this team all year. Like it was low scoring games. They moved pretty quickly and they had timely hits. I mean, Anthony Rizzo went the other way a couple of times in big spots to score runs in addition to his two bombs he had. I mean, everyone seemed to step up. Talk about Odor. He's been great for this uh, Yankee team. He might be the second best hitter for the Yankees right now behind Rizzo. And it just seems like everyone's stepping up. The bullpen's doing their job. I mean, Chapman looks a lot better now. Lewiska is still the best guy in the bullpen, if you had to say. So everyone seems to be stepping up and doing their part. It didn't seem like you had a lot of errors in those Yankee games. You played pretty good defense. couple mistakes by Gary, but, you know, he makes up for it with a good arm and he hits a double too. So there's a lot to like about what the Yankees did in Miami. You just want to see it moving forward. So if you're, you're confident right now as the, um, as a Yankee fan, and maybe the Baltimore series doesn't tell a lot because obviously the Orioles aren't one of the better teams in this division, but when you move on, you play teams like the White Sox, you have a two game set coming up against them. Oakland, like we've talked about, that's when you got to hope this confidence the Yankees have right now carries on. So like you said, this is a great weekend for the Yankees, but we're just going to have to see how they carry it over into these next games. Yeah, I think fun is such an important word that you brought up there because the Yankees just haven't been having any of that this year. And that's what Rizzo and Gallo have really brought, I think. It's just certain, like you mentioned, energy to the, to this team that really, regardless of what happens on the field, just having that energy back again. That's always been why the Yankees have been successful in the past is that energy that you get from these young guys in the clubhouse. And now to have that, I think is going to bring them a big boost to energy. And that's going to, going to catapult them forward. But like you said, Mike, how far can it take them? And I think for me, the one takeaway I have from this Marlins series is that this bullpen is going to be the really – that's the calling card for the Yankees, whether they win or lose this year. Because you think about it, every time that they've struggled, it's because the bullpen has, has struggled as well. They've blown up games. But every time that they've won, it's because the bullpen has been lights out. And you talk about what you get in this series. Throughout the three games, they give up six hits and one run. That is it. And you get Clay Holmes giving you shutout innings. You get Jolie Rodriguez, another addition. You get Zach Britton. As you mentioned, Chapman's on his game. Loisig have been the sharpest guy there the whole year. When this bullpen is on – the Yankees are really tough to beat, and I think that's been what's gotten into the 56 win mark this year is this bullpen living up to its name and also giving you a little bit more than you expected. So I think if this keeps happening and if the pitching is that good and the offense comes up with it, because you only got three, four runs in this series, but if you start getting what you expect from this offense combined with the bullpen, that's really the dream for the Yankees, and it's just a matter of, of putting that all together against some quality opponents, and we'll see what happens moving forward. The Yankees will continue to have fun during a seven-game homestand this week that they hope will be also fortuitous for them. They got uh, the last place, the American League East Baltimore Orioles for three, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a four-game set at home against the Seattle Mariners. So we'll see how that goes. That's the week for the Yankees. But that fun does seem to be a very important thing, like you guys both kind of emphasized here. And I would argue that, you know, they're both really mediocre teams at this point in their year, but um, that's been the difference between the Yankees and the Mets here. Is that the Mets are a team that just – has continuously had fun in the oddest of ways as we've gone through this season. And how about that for a pivot? Let's just stop and, and marvel how incredible that was. Cause it's time to talk uh-huh. about the Mets and Alex, I'll come to you first here because everybody in baseball 
was curious of what the Mets were going to do at the trade deadline. And up until 3 p.m., it looked like nothing was going to happen. And then something crazy happened. So I think with the Mets, something that I learned in the offseason was that you cannot expect this team this year to make a massive amount of moves. They've already shown that to us. That I think we all remember the Steve Cohen comment, a three- to five-year championship timeline. The Mets, you could argue right now, are ahead of schedule, honestly, with the way that they're on top of a division that has been surprisingly weak. And whether you agree with what they should have done at the deadline or not, I think we should have expected them to not do anything crazy. We should have expected them to make one or two moves, and that's pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned that, that fun word, Dylan. And that has been, for the Mets, this, this word chemistry. I know a lot of people hate it, but that has been the number one thing they've said all year long. And the guy that they were going to get at this deadline was going to be a guy who fit into what the team's mindset has been all year long. And when you get a guy like Javi Baez, who says he wants to play with Francisco Lindor, that makes your options pretty easy there. And I think for the Mets, it was almost a no-brainer of a move to do that. Um, And now the questions really start to come now because, you know, Jacob deGrom, he's unhealthy. So why don't you get the pitching support? Why don't you bolster up that side of it and get a little bit more help in your bullpen? You know, why don't you go all in when your window is here and it might not be here next year? So I think, Mike, there's kind of a lot of questions that you get from there, but Baez was that number one move. Now the question is, should the Mets have done more? Yeah, that is the question. I mean, talk about the Baez move. Besides the chemistry fit, I think he's a fit for this club, what they need right now. I mean, this is a team that's kind of at the bottom of the list in home runs. I mean, the only 20-plus home run guy they have is Pete Alonzo, and Baez makes that too. So you do need someone with a lot of homers, and Baez will bring you the strikeouts so he leads the MLB in strikeouts. But this is a Mets team that doesn't strike out that much. So if anyone can take a guy like Javier Baez, I think it might be the Mets. So they do need a little more juice in their lineup, and I think that's what he does. And could they have done more? I think they should have. I mean, the Blue Jays are really aggressive in getting someone like Barrios, who maybe the Mets should have done, because you look at this pitching staff without DeGrom. I mean, Stroman's been sour for you, but Walker has really fell off. And then after that, it's really a crapshoot. So you would really want DeGrom to come back. But with this setback, it's looking like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Would it have been better if you had gotten a guy like Barrios to really – like you said, bolster that pitching staff. And I think that was the logical move for the Mets, but that's in the past now. And you have to find a way to win with the product you have right now. And you have a lot of game to capitalize this on in division. You have four games set versus Miami games versus the Phillies and home for the nationals three game series. So these divisional games are going to be pivotal because the Phillies are right behind you in the playoffs. The Nats aren't that far back. So if you want to separate yourself from this division, which, you have not done yet. I mean, you've been a 500 team for the last month, essentially, in baseball. So this is really the time for the Mets with Baez. I know Lindor's out, but with Baez there and a relatively healthy roster and outside Lindor and DeGrom, this is the time to separate yourself. And if they can do that, it's going to pay dividends later on because the schedule gets worse in late August when they face the Dodgers and the Giants. They will have to face both the Dodgers and the Giants uh, in two def- separate series each. They'll go to California, and then they'll come back into Queens. Um, but, you know, you talk, Michael, specifically you, about uh, winning games in the division. Obviously, they got Miami and Philly on the road coming up this week. But, you know, the Mets started this week with five games against the team that was closest to them coming into the, uh, the week in the division. And that's the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have really had their setbacks. Um, and it was five games. The Met, it was the Mets' really chance to, to put things away in the East coming into August. And they just didn't do it. They lose, I believe, three of five to this Braves team. Honestly, inexcusable um, at this point. And, you know, coming into a 
month where they're going to have to play the Dodgers six times and the Giants six times, or excuse me, the Dodgers seven times. Um, you really wonder if that is something that led Atlanta themselves in the position they're in with all they've gone through this year to themselves, even bolster themselves up in the outfield at the trade deadline. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And you, I mean, you have, like you said, you have 13 games against the Dodgers, and the giants coming up and you had that chance against Atlanta to really separate yourself. And you didn't do that. And I, I mean, this is really a question for like people in the clubhouse. And I can only say this from watching the games, but there seems to be a little bit of a level of complacency. Like you're happy that you're ahead of a division. And this is the first time you've been that way in a while. When is it going to be, let's really take a chance to win this thing, like win this division and go somewhere in the playoffs. I think the Mets are a little happy with where they are right now and they shouldn't be, they should really be looking to, you know, dominate this division because I think they can, I think they have the best roster in this division. I really do. I think they should be much farther than three and a half games ahead. And that's where they started about a month ago. They were three and a half games above the Braves and now they're three and a half games above the Phillies. So they haven't really, in my opinion, done enough. And you get Carrasco back and you hope that gives you some pitching, but he was only okay in that Cincinnati game. And in addition to the Atlanta series, the Cincinnati series is another chance to, you know, win some games against NL opponents and they didn't do that. So it's been time and time again, it's lost opportunities for the Mets. And at a certain point, you got to hope they turn it around because you can't be complacent forever because if the Phillies or Braves start to get hot and the Mets just stay where they are, you can't keep a division lead with 500 baseball. And that's what they've been doing. So you can't keep doing that for forever. Well, that's the thing. It's like the most uncomfortable, comfortable division lead because on one hand, the Mets have been 500. They have not looked very good for a month now. They've also never even been really worried about them dropping the division because it's been a three-plus game lead the entire time just because the rest of the division has been so poor. And like you mentioned, Mike, I think that's giving them a little bit of a peace of mind because even though they've been struggling as of late, they have a losing record post-All-Star break. When you're on top of the division, it gives the illusion you have nothing to worry about, like you mentioned, Mike. And I think really it just depends on what the Mets want to accomplish this year. Is it a World Series? I really don't know. In theory, that should be every team's accomplishment. But when you look at the Padres and you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Giants, can the Mets realistically beat any of those teams? Dylan, I don't think so. Like, when you think about that, is this really your year? I don't know. But at the same time, this division is going to get better next year. It's going to improve. And when you have that opportunity to win the division, like you mentioned, Mike, I think you got to stomp your foot down and win it. And too many times now with the Mets, they beat really good, high-quality teams. That's why I'm not super worried about the Dodgers-Giants stretches because they typically play up to their competition but they lose to teams like the Pirates, like the Reds. Good teams don't do that. And I think that's just a question of where the Mets stand right now and where their focus is. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't want to inject right here, but I think it's kind of just an open-ended question looking at this Mets team. I mean, what is the narrative around this Mets team if they're in the NL West or if they're in the AL East? Yeah. I mean, it's a totally different narrative. And I think that's really been the story with this Mets team that because of where they are, it's so positive, but – the Yankees have a better record and the Yankees media has really been a negative around this team. I think that's really interesting that because of where they are really is determining the outlook on the team and not because how they've been playing. Yeah. You know, they really are at this point, they've been specifically in the last month, a, a mediocre team. They've been just below 500, you know, and that, you know, obviously has so much to do with injuries. I think at their healthiest you know, we haven't even seen Noah Syndergaard yet this year. Sure. Carlos Carrasco just came back to put another arm in that rotation. Stroman at his best. Tywin Walker at his best. When DeGrom comes back. When Francisco Lindor is in the lineup. When Brandon Nimmo is healthy. And all these guys. I think they're a 90-win team. I really do. 
Um, but unfortunately, that just not has not been the narrative for them this year. And I think there's the fact that they overperformed at the beginning of the season. And this is the longest that they have been in first place since 2007 hmm. when they blew the division lead to the Phillies late in the season. But we don't have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I, I, there has been a lot of added pressure. You know, three to five years, I think, was um, uh, was a, uh, technically underestimating this team, but I would have given them at yeah. least two. That was generous, um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't have said 2021 was the year. I would have said 2022 was really the year. Um, so, you know, we're just going to have to see with the Mets. You know, they obviously they've shown they compete with a team like the Padres, with the team like the Brewers. These are all potential teams they could meet in the playoffs. We'll see how they'll do against the Giants and they'll do against the Dodgers. But that's what they've done. T- to me, this, this feels like a team, and I want your opinions on this because we have to wrap things up soon. But to me, this seems like a team that could win 86 games, take the division, and find themselves in the NLCS. And then that's probably where they're going to max out this season. Wouldn't you say, Michael? Yeah, I think that's where they max out. I mean, you're 100% right. And I think their fate's really in the other division uh, team's hands. Like, how well are those teams going to be? If the Braves and Phillies stay how they've been playing, then the Mets are going to win this division. But I don't really see this Mets team, considering Lindor and DeGrom might be their two best players out. Lindor hasn't been that guy this year, but I mean, he's still one of their best players with those two guys out. And there's a lot of pressure on these role players to, you know, perform. I think it's going to be up to like the Braves and the Phillies. How well are they going to be? So I think the Mets is, are going to be like an 86, 87 win team, like you said, but if the division stays how it's been, that'll be enough to win this division. But we're not, we're not going to be able to tell that until we you know get to late August, early September. So there's a lot of questions, but I think one answer is that the Mets really isn't the 95 win team we thought they could be, or we still think they could be, but that's just not how they've been playing. That's exactly right. Cause coming into this year, I thought the Mets were going to win hundred games to be very honest with you. I was that confident in what this team was going to do. And to your point, Dylan, like they were looking like that team with the amount of injuries they had. And that's why I've always been so confident about the Mets from day one is that, like you said, they've never been at full strength, yet they've still been winning the division. They've still been winning games and they've still looked pretty darn good. But now we're at the point where the team is just what it is. And that's like you mentioned, Dylan, at this point, kind of a mediocre baseball team, just benefiting from the rest of the division around them. But the one thing I will say though, that division doesn't matter once you get into the playoffs. Once you do all of that's behind you. And knowing that this pitching staff that you have when DeGrom, if he's healthy, along with Carrasco, who I think looked pretty good in his opener, even though it wasn't anything spectacular, but on the promise of what he can be, along with Stroman, and if Walker starts picking it up like an all-star, that's one of the best rotations of baseball without a doubt. And if that comes in with the hitting, just getting the job done, I think the Mets are a dangerous team. But like you guys mentioned, the NLCS is definitely the ceiling, and there's not much more you can get from that. This year, will you get past it in the three- to five-year timeline is the real question, because that's what Steve Cohen promised, and that's what you have to deliver. Apparently so. And, and we will see what next year brings when, when this team is, uh, is just building on what they have started this year in new ownership and Luis Rojas finally getting a full season as the manager and, and all this new talent around the team. We'll see if Javi Baez sticks around. But speaking of Javi Baez, I want to end the show just quickly um, by acknowledging that this was kind of a sad weekend, if you think about it, for baseball fans our age in particular. Yeah. Because it was this, the Chicago Cubs of the late 2010s were just always so fun to watch. They were incredible as a team together. Watching them win in 2016 was just absolutely incredible. And it's something none of us will ever forget, especially uh, 
anyone listening, Chicago, hello, congratulations of winning in 2016. We're very happy for you. But it was tough to see Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant all leave the team. So I want to ask you guys specifically for this season, which of these players at the end of this year, and just just give me your answer because we don't have a lot of time, um, is going to make the most impact for their team. It will be Anthony Rizzo for the Yankees. Is it Javi Baez for the Mets or is it Chris Bryant out in San Francisco for the Giants? Alex, you go first. Chris Bryant. That's I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Chris Bryant too. I think the NL West it makes a difference, and they're going to get into the playoffs, and he'll make a difference. Huh, then I guess we're all in agreement. That wasn't entertaining at all. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, oh well, that's the end of the show. Nevertheless, this has been Nosebleeds Production WFUV Sports. We're always so glad that you join us. Please go watch as much baseball as you possibly can this week, and we will come back and talk about it next Monday on a new episode of Nosebleeds. But for Alex Wolves and Michael Calamari, my name is Dylan Balsamo. See you soon. Take care. Talk to you next week.